transmission by me, Donald Dean. Make me an island. In that wonderful city of Tel Aviv, there's a street not a whole wide world over by all and sundry that goes under the name of Deezen started on Make Me an Island number 20. You're very welcome to the programme if you're listening this June bank holiday weekend. I hope you're enjoying the sunshine. If you're listening in June 2030, because podcasts are built to last, and I hope the last decade was good for you. And uh, today on the show, we're going to be looking at the concertina music of Cormac Begley and Jack Talty, and we're going to be going to the heart of the Congo with Mr. Noel Sumbo. Before any of that, this is brand new from Denise Chaila. I do what I want with my pronouns, keep it low-key on my profile. I raise the bar when I come through, you already know it's gonna go down. My name's not that hard to pronounce, pre-K it's not profound. C-H-A-I-L-A, sound the words out. 
It's not Chile, it's not Chilala. Not a hard pill to swallow. Chile or Chilea, Chia, Chila, Dilla, that's not my name. Say my name. I've got drive, don't need gas. I wanna go far, not go fast. Chemical X when I power up. Turn back now, hard pass. I don't go Dutch when I checkmate. I keep the banner on my chest plate. All these takes so lukewarm. You should just say it with your chest, mate. It's not Chile, it's not Chilala. Not a hard pill to swallow. Chile or Chilea, Chia, Chila, Dilla, that's not my name. <laughs> say my name. Broke cycles every time that I spoke, so I took the training wheels off. Tour de France, cover new ground for all the hope the pain cost. Not all who want to lose their faith, and not all who wonder are lost. I know my heart and I know my name and I know the path that I walk. I work this hard so I can harvest. Won't pick my fruit from the low branches. I don't know you, man, but I know dancers. Free the journey, who's gonna stop this? I don't need gifts if you look musky. Stay philanthropist. Don't need your concern if you'll look at me and see a troper kid. Go on lot like Dirk. Don't care what you heard. My word is my bond and my name is my word. The soul of my world and it's not Chile, it's not Chalala. Not a hard pill to swallow. Chile or Chilea, Chia, Chila, Dilla, that's not my name. Say my name. C H A I L A C H A I L A C H A I L A C H A I L A C H A I L A C H A I L A C H A I L A C. I do what I want with my pronouns. Keep it low key on my profile. I raise the bar when I come through. You already know it's gonna go down. My name's not that hard to pronounce. Pre K, it's not profound. C-H-A-I-L-A, sound the words out. It's not Chile, it's not Chilala. Not a hard pill to swallow. Chile or Chilea, Chia, Chila, Dilla, that's not my name. There you go. It's not Chile and it's not Chalala. That's Denise Chila, the Queen of Limerick, with an amazing new single. It's called uh, Chila. And you can find that. Go get it on Bandcamp. Uh, now, over the last uh, 19 shows, uh, we've been listening to music from uh, lots of parts of the world, particularly Africa. Uh, but today, I'm going to, uh, for the next while anyway, listen to music from home. Now, if I was from another planet or another country and I heard this next tune, I would be saying, who is this and where is it and when can I get there? Mas 
Such amazing music, and the country is Ireland, by the way, you guessed it. And uh, Liam O'Mainly, one of the high kings of this same country, is the man responsible. Now, Liam is somebody who could get a tune out of instruments, uh, not technically musical, in fact, uh, but he was, or is, a former All-Ireland score Bowron champion. And I think uh, his percussive abilities are to the fore there on that wonderful version of Saiv Ni Brunala. Now, that was an outfit called Rian that Liam put together, featuring some great musicians, including uh, Ethna Nikahan and uh, Matthew Okasada and Peter O'Toole and this next man, Cormac Begley. And speaking of kings, the Begleys are West Kerry musical royalty. And I'll tell you a little bit more after you hear this. Thank <laughs> you. 
Begley's incredible debut solo record released in 2017 that's Yellow Tinker and uh, I'm going to get in to the recording of that album with the man who produced it another Premier League concertina player Jack Talty in just a little while but I just want to take a few more examples of just how brilliant this record is and it's impossible to describe but whatever it is there's a spirit in this music uh, that just is so uplifting here's another example Thank you. 
think the music's beautiful, well, you should see where Cormac Begley comes from. It's uh, the deepest of soul music from the westest of Kerry and direct from Bala on Rue of Rick, which is an amalgamation of Bali Row and Bala the Book. That is Mr. Cormac Begley on the concertina. And in this quick fire rapid, uh, in this quick rapid fire round of opening tunes on the 20th edition of Make Me an Island, we're going to continue with another one from uh, that debut record. I love the title of uh, these Irish tunes. Paddy Canny's Pigeon on the Gate. on the gate, Cormac Begley. I think uh, I'm trying to stop these uh, using the words favourite and incredible on the show, but um, as regards albums that I've listened to over the last number of years, uh, Cormac's debut record is one that has stayed on the record player constantly. If you want to get a copy, same as Denise Chyla, just go over to Bandcamp and you can order it there. Now I'm going to talk to the man who produced that record. As I said, another amazing concertina player, uh, Jack Talty, in just a minute. But they made an album together uh, around a little bit, uh, maybe around the same time, we'll ask Jack. Uh, and it was under the name The Fair Bullock, The Men of the Bellows, appropriately enough. So I'm going to play one of these and then I'm going to talk to Jack. This one's Cronin's. Thank you. 
are the men with bellows and uh, they, some people don't fit on Skype and Cormac Begley is one of those but thankfully Jack Talty does and Jack is on the line from Lizzie Casey. How are you doing Jack? I'm good Donald, thanks. I'm good. How are you? Good. Keeping well. It says men with bellows. It's not men with bellies, is it? I've heard that uh, joke before. Could, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's a bit of a double entendre there. Oh, uh, we, okay, may, yeah. we may have... Uh, qualified for that description at okay. the time as well <laughs> including bellies but um uh, jack i have to say right i'm i'm intrigued by this album by cormac's album and by your album in flow and i put the three of those together just i suppose for sonic reasons really this one is the first one right so this one comes from 2011 so it's it's nearly a decade old at this stage um it was recorded in saint nicholas's church as was cormac's album how did that kind of come about first of all um well i guess that's where cormac and i actually first played together um as you know cormac ran tunes in the church and yeah. one night i did the concert and as is the custom um you know we get up at the end and we all play together and myself and cormac played a couple of tunes together and we just thought you know what we had a good time it seemed to work so we would investigate the whole thing a little bit more and uh that's what led to the recording so i guess it wasn't that much of a surprise that we opted for the church as mm -hmm. a as a place to record it yeah 
because um, the seed was planted in that same place. But look, when it comes to the actual, I know Cormac uh, from seeing his shows many times, plays a range of concertinas, bass, baritone, treble, piccolo. What's your own weapon of choice? Yeah, well, I play a couple. And you know what? It really depends on, on what mood you're in. Um, you know, at the four concertinas that I mainly play, yeah, they're in different pitches, obviously. And that's that's a huge um, characteristic of them. But as well, they all have different personalities. They play differently. Some are quicker than others. And it really, it just brings out a completely different side of how you play. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I like, uh, like I at the moment, I play a lot of uh, a B instrument, um, which mm-hmm. is just a really very nice latinal uh, so it really depends what what form you're in but they do bring out a different type of um approach to your playing and yeah it just depends on, on what mood you're in at the time sure and just in terms of playing with cormac and how that works right um is there something in particular that you kind of have to align when you're playing when two concertinas are playing together or is it just you kind of go for it uh we pretty much went for it um because you know like I said, the first time we met it was very much a, just an improvised get together, and we just we just played. Um, so you know that's generally how we approached it. But sometimes, yeah, sometimes there were that we thought a little bit more about how we approached it, and you know, obviously there's an octave. The track you just played there, there's an octave of a difference in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Cormac is playing a baritone. I'm playing a, a concert pitch concertina. So. Yeah, obviously we had those um, tricks up our sleeves as well that we could explore different different sounds by playing mm-hmm. in different registers. So that 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 was a big part of how we played actually. So skip along a few years to both of the solo records, which were recorded around about the same time, I believe, um, twenty sixteen. Um, I mean, sonically, they're among the best records that I have uh, in my own collection. The sound that you uh, get from um, the concertina, was there a kind of, in, in the years being between the Fur Bullock and the two solo records, uh, was there a bit of an advance in terms of the technology on your own end, or, or is it the same sort of approach? Um, well, I suppose the, the most straightforward answer there is, obviously, by the time it came to the solo albums, I had a lot of work under my belt. You know, I mm-hmm. produced and recorded a lot of albums in that relatively short space of time. Um, I'm I'm not yeah that was that's an obvious difference um but then you know it's funny when people come to me and they ask me to to record or produce their stuff you'd be amazed how many times Nefer Bullock is referenced as mm-hmm. a as a as a reference track or a reference album so obviously yeah, yeah it, it it was different because the the two studio albums that you mentioned there uh, Cormac and my own solo yeah you're you're using a lot more microphones you're in you're in mm-hmm. the the sterile environment of the studio even though you know obviously we all know you can you can mitigate that that sterile environment here and there um so yeah i was using a lot of different techniques like i'm a huge fan of midside stereo mm-hmm. um like it's kind of the secret weapon that i use in all the relic records stuff it's i'm a huge midside stereo fan so the two um constant albums the solo albums would have been using that so i guess that's that's where um i'm coming from trying to make the most realistic and immersive sound as you can and for me midside stereo is one of the most flexible ways that you can do that i know this isn't a, a geeky uh, technical forum but you know it's um at the same time i think a lot of musicians especially nowadays are really in tune with uh, studio work and are learning an awful lot about techniques like that that will bring the best out of their music so mm-hmm. that's the trick for me that's 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 one of my favorites 
Um, Jack, just in terms of, of your journey into sound as, as opposed to the musical journey and the playing, um, you grew up in Lizzie Casey, surrounded by um, traditional music, obviously, and was born into that. But your appreciation for sound is very obvious when it comes to your work throughout all the Rayluck releases and Ensemble Eru in particular. Um, so just when it comes to sort of how the breathing sounds there, is that the use of the vent or how does that work, you know, in, in, in the in the tunes there? Um, well, I guess what you're trying to do is is represent whatever instrument you're recording as fully as possible. And like that's in, in many ways, that's an engineering thing. But it's it's more to me in my book, that's a that's a production thing. You know, how mm -hmm. to how could you possibly represent something as high impact as it is? in in its acoustic setting you know and mm -hmm. um, sometimes that's that's miking sometimes that's a little bit of encouragement here and there but yeah it's it's you know on a technical level you're getting that sound um and of course some people mistakenly think that that's an undesirable quality of a recording where it's exactly what we wanted um oh, yeah. so yeah it, it is my technique um yeah little bit of compression you know but it's again it's seasoning to taste like anything you know there's never any one one stop shop for these kind of things but yeah that for those recordings it's important to us that you can hear what's happening like you mm -hmm. know the camera doesn't lie uh, yeah. if it's there we want it to be there and yeah that was important to us that it would retain its natural quality and also there's in 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 several examples there's the sound of the keys and the fingers on the keys which is kind of almost like a, like a percussive element in itself yeah, yeah, same, same as that, you know, if it's there, you want to capture it. Uh, some people don't go for that. And, you know, there's work that you can get, you know, you just, you just do a little bit of maintenance on the instrument and that will take care of that. But, uh, you know, we were, we were aiming for that little bit of um, added texture. So, you know, it, it's, you know, it's there. So why mm -hmm. not make the most of it? That was, that was important to us. I suppose my question about sort of, you know, growing up immersed in music and then finding your way, you know, technically through, um, the area of production. Um, I suppose in some ways, what we're hearing here is traditional music presented in sort of a brave new world sort of way. And, you know, it um, for me personally, um, my journey back to traditional music, having come from Slieve Lucre and rejected the whole thing. My dad was a set dancer and uh, a long story, but I, I turned away from that and it took me a while to come back to it. But when I did, it was people like yourself. Um, and I suppose my angle would have been very much coming from an angle of being a fan of sound and, and loving sound in, in all various forms. But really what you're doing here is really applying, uh, I suppose, that, that science to very traditional materials. And, uh, and it is kind of on the cutting edge in that respect. Well, yeah, I had a funny introduction to uh, production and audio engineering, Donald, because like I... I wasn't the singer songwriter uh, sitting at home in my bedroom. Obviously, I had a huge immersion in traditional music because where I was from and family connections, I couldn't avoid it. But my my route into production and audio engineering, actually, funnily enough, and I don't think many people know this, it's it was through um, sound design, electro acoustic music, sound based music from mm -hmm. people like uh, John Godfrey and UCC, who I encountered there. So, like when you're working, as you know well, when you're working with electronic music your sound and your approach to sound is your palette and mm -hmm. you know you have to use it to on your canvas so you know it's a certain it's a certain education in how to hear and manipulate sound mm -hmm. which is kind of weird because coming from a traditional background mm -hmm. that's not that's not the conventional route for people who usually get into audio production or engineering so yeah, yeah i completely get what you're saying and i i think 
for me with the ethos with the label was and we could we could talk about you know tastes all day like without getting bored but for me like personally and it's only my it's only my only own opinion as a as a lover of traditional music but like for me some of the straight ahead tradition is still the most exciting stuff that mm-hmm. i i hear like it's just so rich and then sometimes you have this dichotomy and this binary between like okay this is too innovative and this is too conventional so you have this kind of weird binary where you're either stuck in the mud <laughs> or you're trying to burn down the tradition yeah and that leaves an awful gulf in the middle and a lot of misunderstanding and a lack of communication in the middle so what i said you know what i'm going to put something together like relic records it's a platform for anything that i think is great it doesn't matter where it lies on the spectrum mm-hmm. and what's really what what i love to hear is that people who listen to the records who are really discernible intelligent people I'm only basing that on how they speak about the albums. They totally get it. Mm-hmm. They can see the thread. Yeah. It doesn't all have to sound the same, but there seems to be a thread that connects all of it. So you can have the likes of Ensemble Eru and Coeur alongside Tony McMahon mm-hmm. and Noel Hill. You know, it works mm-hmm. because we're, we're, we're not that simple. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. There's a thread that connects all of that. And it's. I think it's just oversimplified to say, okay, it's progressive or it's pre-revival influenced. There's so much more going on there, and we're 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 not that simple. So this was a, an opportunity to say, you know what, these can all exist in the same place, and mm. there's a lot more. We've a lot more in common than we have um, in in terms of our differences. <laughs> what a brilliant answer! I think um, that that thread is made of gold, Jack. It's a golden thread. But the thing, um, just uh, you mentioned Noel Hill there. I know that um, from talking to Rady P, for instance, you know that 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 Noel. Is, is really at the top of the pile when it comes to concertina playing. Um, and I absolutely love his playing. You, Cormac, and and Noel Hill played together and uh, did gigs together. Um, how did that go? That was great. Yeah, sure. We didn't have a clue what to expect. <laughs> Obviously, Cormac and I had a lot of experience playing together because we we played a lot, you know. We did every festival and gig you could imagine, really. So mm-hmm. we, had, we had hours and hours and hours of... Um, of uh, experience playing with each other and then separately I had played a lot with Noel whether it was me playing piano or Constantina we'd played a lot so this was just an opportunity to go a bit mad and see what happened mm-hmm. uh, while we all knew each other's music so it was great you know we did a couple of gigs um, and it was a lot of fun and we had a lot of fun coming up with repertoire that would kind of showcase different instruments and different approaches mm-hmm. um, and even mess with stuff like even mess with silly stuff like um like polyrhythms and almost hope that nobody would notice you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was just it was it was great crack and, do you think um, do you think there's a chance that um i know that you recorded one of those live gigs and looking back uh, when i was looking up um the gigs that you played today i was very jealous that i, I never made one of those but maybe one day you'll get the three of you into the studio yeah, there's actually um, a friend of mine has a multi-track session of one of the concerts we did, mm-hmm. and I, I'd say it's I'd say the quality of the recording is pretty good. So yeah, uh, I, I just haven't I haven't. Even I, I, I suppose very it. often in that live setting, when when the when the the blood is flowing and and all of that, that you know the playing can be just a sort of everything you would want to recreate in a studio anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it would take a lot of work to recreate what we had in the live concert. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it, it was pretty good. And that's really where it came to life because, you know, rehearsals are great and all that, but you need that added incentive to kind yeah. of um, 
it's like the, it's, it's like it's like the um it's like thinking of an all ireland without the crowd you, you need that heat right to get you going yeah <laughs> yeah definitely to, yeah to get the uplift jack it's been a pleasure talking to you i would urge everybody to check out your work on Raylock records and uh, all available on bandcamp i might add um i'm going to back be back talking to you again you're you're now officially sanctioned the lizzie casey correspondent and make me an island jack <laughs> well, I'm actually speaking to you from Salt Hill, Donald. I, I left this in case a while ago, but oh, just in right. case okay, the Salt yeah, Hill yeah. neighbours are okay. Well, are, uh, look, we, we've got a vacancy. For, we've got a vacancy for a Galway correspondent, so uh, you're, you're, you're it. Thanks so much, Jack. You're very welcome, Donald.
sounding so pristine, the beautiful music of Jack Talty from the album In Flow, and that there, uh, accompanied by John Blake on the guitar and Rory, Rory McGorman on the bazooki, I should say, Donico Olinchig's Kill Glass Lakes, and the Hearty Boys of Ballymote. And I would put um, Jack's solo record, In Flow, Cormac Begley's solo record, and Nafir Bullock, Jack Talty and Cormac Begley together. I would put those three together. And if you've got, if you are heading to a desert island at any time soon, uh, then if you pack the three of those, you can't go wrong. Now we're going to move um, here on Make Me an Island from talking about the High Kings of West Clare and West Kerry to a man who is the uncrowned King of Kinshasa. And I promise not to say the words incredible or favourite in this episode, but it's hard not to when I'm talking about this man, the guitar player, Noel Sambu. guitar and uh, it's Noel Sambu on the line, our Kinshasa correspondent. Hi Noel. Hi Donald, how are you? Good, good, very good, thank you. That that tune right there, where 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 is, uh, that's, it says jam on it, where did that come from? Is it just a jam? Exactly, just a jam. It's just, uh, we were just pressed play and then jammed. <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's actually a short part of it, like a very, like 10 minute jam. <laughs> well, I, I'm well aware of, the, of how good the Kinshasa jam is, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the Sumbu variety. Um, but well, it's it's great to talk to you. I'm I'm. Uh, we've had many conversations about Congolese music um, together, but this is the first time that we've committed one to tape. So um, let's okay. get straight into it. I suppose um, before we we hear Jean Bosco Mwenda, um, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about well being a fantastic guitarist 
about the the role, the central lo- uh, role of guitar in in Congolese music? Oh, it's it's huge in, in Congo. Um, what people, a lot of people from from uh, you know Europe don't really realize is Congolese music as is really the the, the most popular music in Africa for, mm-hmm. for for decades. And in fact, the very first recorded African song was done in the Congo. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the guitar is like is a huge part of Congolese music. If mm-hmm. if people don't dance. It's all. It's the guitarist. People would blame the guitarist. Uh, yeah, it's really like that. You know, if you go like to a concert, uh, you know, people didn't dance. Everybody would look at the guitar player. Okay. And it wasn't great. It's it's, uh, on, so it's guitar- on his shoulders or her shoulders. Yes, it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure. Can I just tell you, Noel, that since I've seen you, um, maybe I haven't told you this, but but I, I'm very familiar with a barbershop um, run by a man called Lucky, uh, who's from Burundi um, in Dublin here, and. So over the many years of going there, I've been picking up tunes from all sorts of places. And I got to the level where I was allowed to choose tunes uh, while I was there. Right. And um, and thereby discovering lots about just the kind of, um, you know, the situation with we will say if uh, if I played uh, God Save the Queen in an Irish bar- barbershop, I might get uh, into trouble. So I <laughs> I discovered how music from other parts of the, of the continent that I love, such as from Ghana or, or from West Africa, all over, um, how they would go down. You know, I'd learned a lot about uh, how that works. But any time I played a Congolese tune, it always went down well. Yes, it's, that's <laughs> like everywhere. It's always, every, I mean, so in, in the 90s especially, they had to, like in Cameroon and some part of Mali, they had to ban Congolese artists because people weren't listening to their own music. Okay. And, okay. and Congolese artists would go there, they would sell out stadiums. I mean... If 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 I go, if any Congolese person goes to like East Africa or West Africa, straight away people expect it to be a musician. Yeah, to be a, yeah, that's that's that was like that's very much like that. So it's kind of the beating heart of the continent, really, when musically. And it lo- is yes, and also and, lo- and, yeah. and, and a lot of musicians, you know, of famous um, African musicians, lots of them, like you know, like Manu Dibango just passed away. Yeah. Um, few weeks ago a lot of this kind of this generation they all went through uh, kinshasa you know in the 50s to to, to learn you know to starting off a lot yeah. of these guys yeah so kinshasa was like new york you know in africa yeah well look let's go back to 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 that period and listen to jean bosco mwenda and this is masanga and we'll talk about that in a second okay mm, yeah masanga.
What a beautiful Ooh. piece. Of, <laughs> I could hear you tapping along there. What a beautiful piece yeah. of music. Uh, the Guitar King, he, 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 his popularity extended way beyond uh, not just Congo, but all throughout Africa and beyond as well. Yes, yes. In, in fact, I think he was, because he was from the east, from the east of Congo. Yeah. Um, and his music was actually way more popular outside of Congo than in Congo. Itself. Okay. Because yeah. of that reason? Or is that is that something to do with that? I mean, the, the, the east-west divide? Yes, it's, it's because of that. It's, you see, there's this lot of the, all the, you know, it's the same where you get everywhere where, you know, people from the capital have this arrogance, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the capital, that's where everything starts. Mm-hmm. So he was from the east. So there was always that, you know, that kind of duality between the east and, and, and Kinshasa, which is the capital. And mm-hmm. um, so he is, he is very well known and very well respected. Yeah. But his music is much more popular in you know like starting from from east africa especially okay so what yes. you're saying effectively is that that john bosco Mwenda is a bit of a culture yes oh big time <laughs> oh yes he is yes I, I get it now but just on the guitar style there and well is there anything about that i mean it seems so fluid and beautiful his, yes, his playing yeah. exceptional yes he was very unique he was very unique compared to a lot of the the guitarist in in you know in the style that is played in Congo, mm-hmm. he's he's very different. You don't really even now you know there's not really if you meet somebody playing like that is you know like I I knew like in my style I did when I discovered him, um, I did want to play like that. So he did influence me his mm-hmm. playing mm-hmm. because when I what I heard him it was like very different to all the guitar guitarists that I heard before in Congo. I understand. Now the thing yeah. is it. I think you told me this before, but like on on the level of um, so when it comes to uh, playing the guitar and 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 uh, so on and so forth, is there is there still a system where you know a guitar lick is kind of currency? Is that is that uh, situation still the case? Well, and and you know, as unfortunately not, you know, okay. it's really changing because of you know every everybody wants to crack into america so everything is going kind of you know and uh, keyboards and stuff like that okay um but it's not like it used to be it used to be it's the line that would sell the 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 album it's not it's still as i said the line that would make you dance people would yeah. really listen to you play yeah and before they dance like i have that problem today as as a play if when i'm playing congolese music especially if people just start dancing i yeah. don't actually enjoy it Okay. Because uh, no, because I I am so used to you gotta work hard for it. You know, like you start some shows where it's like it takes you know, cause the sevens, as you said, the, the dancing part would 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 go on for you know for an hour. So you 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 might take ten to fifteen minutes to warm up before that perfect line comes. <laughs> so so you know you start for the first uh, uh, people are dancing let's let's go to a different frequency you know you're discussing between musicians so it's a whole artistry mm-hmm. you know you need to do by the time you get into 15 minutes you might just hit that spot <laughs> and then bam and yeah. people just come start dancing so Amazing. i have that today i noticed that when i play if people just start dancing i'm like oh but we didn't we haven't started yeah, yet it a bit too be, soon you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a line in Beckett about don't sing your song too soon, but don't play your best guitar line too soon and don't exactly. dance too soon. Okay, everybody <laughs> out there, when you're at Noel's gig, just wait till 15 minutes in before you start dancing. Um, Noel, just just on, on that line, though, when it comes to, I, I remember you talking to you about, we'll say, um, you know, that if 
if if you're a fantastic guitar player, um, that that people would come to you and pay you to to teach them a lick. With is does that system still work? Yes, that that works still. Even now, when I go back, you know, I I get I would let, get like you know a dozen or so guitarists coming looking for for a lick. because yeah. it's 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 so it's just I suppose it's like when you see in uh, hip hop with like a rhyme. Yeah. It's the same with 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 the perfect line. You know, people are constantly looking for the perfect line. So mm -hmm. guitarists would walk around just looking for oh that line, <laughs> and you know. So if they know you come up with good lines, mm -hmm. you know, the people would come to you. That still happens. That's beautiful. Um, I'm going to talk some more about um, obviously the situation on the ground uh, and uh, and lots of other things, uh, Noel. But just seeing as we're kind of in in the late fifties, early sixties. So 1958, uh, an album, a recording of the Latin Mass, um, sung in the traditional style of the Congo, uh, was put together by a Franciscan friar from Belgium, Father Guido Hazen. And um, maybe um, Miss Aluba is the title, one of my favourite records ever. So I'm just going to play that and have a chat about it in one second, OK? OK, no problem. Troubadour du Roi Bedouin. Um, anything about to say about that, Noel? Oh, that gives me goosebumps because uh, that actually, what happens here? I had this tape, the tape of this music years ago, mm. and I, you know, I, I lost it. And the, on the tape, there was nothing written. I think I probably got, you know, a friend gave me a copy, something like that. And I had no idea where it was recorded. I had no idea when it was recorded. All I knew, because of the music, it is music of the baluba. Mm, you know, okay. because because of, because of the they had the clap, that 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 clap. 
Yeah. But I had no information at all until you played it, until mm. you actually tell me. So when did you say it was recorded? 1958. Wow. Yeah. And, is... and what's really striking, I suppose, just as a, as a young white man, I suppose, what's, what's really striking in there was uh, the percussion. I'd never heard anything like that within the setting of choral music do you know what i mean as in like yes that gives it something that's and, and it's interesting to know what the origins of that are that's a luba drum um uh, I, so i'm i should have known this but i, I, I forgot the name because it's in, it's in it's in luba they mm. have this that drum in the luba music always happens where it's like dun, dun, dun. yeah it kind of just keeps going on you know kind of improvising yeah it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a luba drum and, and so I'm luba just, is a tribe right it's a tribe, yeah. I think as you know, as Irish people should know the the, the Luba, because in I think it was in nineteen sixty one or when the Irish um, army or peacekeeper went to Congo. Mm. I think that's they had some confrontation there with the Baluba. Okay, right. I think so. Of um, it's, they're basically in the center, in the center of Congo. Mm. Um, yeah, yes, it's, it's it, absolutely incredible, right? Maybe maybe we'll just take another quick tune from that, okay? Okay. Oh, I love this. It's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's the drum again. Yeah.
once more from the amazing Miss Aluba, and uh, that's the marriage song. And uh, well, the the um, the percussion, like the shakers and all of that, there's it's just got an atmosphere that, as in again, I, I'll, I'll say it just sounded so alien and yet so beguiling and beautiful. Yes, that's exactly you know we their music is that drumming is so characteristic of the Luba tribe where yeah. you just keep pounding like that and. And for me, especially what I love, you know, the singing style of the Luba is like so fast. They always do this kind of, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's, you know, it's like nearly like rap, you know. Yeah, that, that yeah. Kind of thing, proto man. early rap. Um, yeah, exactly. So, well, let's get on to the dance, right? So um, one of my favorite um, outfits is Raiko Jazz. And um, I've been reading as much as I can about them. So... Um, they seem to be, to be maybe the epitome of what you were saying about a band, a Congolese band who have huge popularity around Africa, because from what I can gather, um, they kind of, uh, again, 1960s, but they moved around Africa a lot. And in actual fact, in their biography, um, I see that they settled in Dakar in Senegal, but also that they spent time with E.T. Mensa, the king of high life in Ghana, who's somebody that I have uh, featured on a previous edition of, of the podcast. But like what we're talking here is pure dance music. So can we call this rumba? Okay. Um, will we will we hear it? And, yeah, a chat about it, or do do you want it just? Uh, will it be, just we, well, let's play it and talk about it. Let's play. Yes, yeah. Yes. Okay. Let's 
Ryko Jazz, that's Kumbele. It, it would be hard, I think, uh, well, to wait 15 minutes at a Ryko Jazz gig to go dancing. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, so infectious. Look, I, from what I can gather, right, between 1960 and 1964, they traveled around West Africa and, and were huge um, in various countries in that part of the world, but then moved to Paris in 1964 and made, uh, produced some amazing music while in Paris and, and also were very popular in, in that city. Um, okay. What do you think when you hear that? Oh, I love it. Actually, when is this one exactly made? Oh, I, I think that's possibly late 60s because there's, there's keyboard sounds in there that, that sound a little bit more like it, it yeah. must be later on. I, I'm not sure exactly. Um, the, there's three compilations that you can find and it kind of spans from throughout the 60s into the 70s. So um, not sure exactly, but that one's possibly later though. That's interesting because uh, most very interesting for me. The, yeah, the music there. I mean, that's not rumba. You know, rumba is basically slow. Okay. Slower music. Rumba was still rumba very much. You know, it was Cuban influence very much. Okay. Uh, gotcha. So it was slower, but this is you would still call this. But this is more closer. It's nearly like a mix of Congolese music with Zouk music. You know, Zouk. Zouk right. uh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's more more that kind of direction. But the thing is, Zouk was very popular in I think in the eighties. Uh -huh. That's when really. Oh, right. Well, hold on. It could it could possibly be up until that point. I'll yeah, have to check I that because that, that does sound it, a bit more like it's you know the, with the keyboards there that it yes, sounds like a bit and more the recent. Bass and the bass playing there, the bass playing is the dun 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 dun. That style of bass playing really came to prominence in the eighties. Oh, after yeah. that, okay, okay, okay. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's made in the in the eighties. Your speciality subject could be Ryko Jazz on Mastermind, I think. Um, so identifying these things. Thanks so much, Noel. Um, on, on the subject of of, of uh, the rumba, though, so that. That that danced so these styles come and go, right? Or would rumba be have been there and still be there in in the music? Yeah, rumba hasn't left. Um, yeah. The thing is, rumba really, you know, started in uh, in the forties. That's really when it got very popular. Okay. Because um, before the in the thirties, it was just kind of griot, you know, one guy singing, and in the forties, um, with the with the influence of the Cuban music, so uh, you know, songs like La Bamba. Yeah, and uh, you know El Manicero. Yeah, these are the they 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 are the two songs that are credited to really, you know, um, popularize. It's got really popularized in in Kinshasa in the in the thirties and forties. Mm -hmm. A lot of the young people wanted to play like that. So even now to these days, when people play rumba in Congo, it's the same chord progression like okay. La Bamba. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly the same. One four five four. Okay. That's that's the sound of Congolese music, and mm. that's coming from those songs. And mm. so it's it's very much slow, and it hasn't left. It hasn't, you know, it's still there. The rumba is going changed. nowhere. No, no, I don't think rumba is gonna ever leave. No, it's gonna always, you know, maybe change a bit, change, but that format is always there. Uh -huh. And and well, just yes. on again, a question about what happens on the ground, right? So in in Kinshasa, in, in your childhood, where would the music be heard? Because I know from talking to you that, you know, electricity is, um, or, or has been at least, um, a very precious commodity in that place. So so, yes. so what happens? Where do people dance? Where do people listen to music? Oh, well, I mean, in Kinshasa, <laughs> the, the pubs are outside, outdoor. You know, there's no really indoor clubs. Yeah. So they and then they, they would have all huge speakers, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, 
the music is always blasting. I mean, I grew up in a house where, you know, in the area that I grew up, there was music 24 hours, nonstop. I mean, you, you wake up at six in the morning, the music is blaring already. Mm-hmm. It's just everywhere. And people would have their, their stereo, you know, on the, on the windows. They just, everything is loud, mm. just loud. <laughs> you have to remember in Africa, if music is not distorting, it's not good enough. So it has to be loud. That's that's really funny because I just wanted to read you something that I read about that because um, it, it's something that's coming up later on when we listen to Kanona number one. But it's a quote okay. from one of the lands from uh, in Bangwana Star. Here in the streets, it's the anti-technology thing that works. Everything recorded in the red. Sometimes I overboost mics that are recruiting <laughs> uh, that are recording nothing just to pick up the kind of environment that's around me. Can you hear it? There are three TVs going full blast. Distortion multiplies the energy. I love it. <laughs> so I think we have, exactly. uh, that's, that's how it is, right? But Noel, that, you also told me, just on the point of what music for, does for the people, I mean, we'll get to, to the situation in terms of the economic situation in a while, but just the, you know, the, 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 the poverty and, and uh, the uh, conditions in which people live. I know you've told me this before, but the music is, is what holds it all together. Big uh, music, you know, really, really, that's what keeps people stay alive. I'd say, you know, if we, if Congo, Congo did not have the music that we do, I don't know, you know, yeah. as a nation where it would be. You know, it really, really keeps people together because people, people really just dance. People really love music in Congo. You know, yeah. You you walk on the street, people just dancing there. You know, it's and, and nobody's even paying attention. You're just dancing. That's just that. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Somebody's singing there. You know. Somebody's, mm-hmm. it's just constantly, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, it really keeps people together, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I'm just going to, before we get back into some more detail about what happens on the streets, right, because I've got lots, lots of questions in that regard, um, I want to switch back to your own music for a minute. So tell me about Malapwe. You said it's um, influenced by uh, the Pygmy, tri- Pygmy tribe's uh, music from the north of the country. Yes, um, you see... When I was learning music, um, this was sometimes I feel like I met a ghost. But I met there was this guy who was busking, and um, he was busking his, with his guitar. He was a, he was a pygmy, mm-hmm. and so you know I would give him money, then he'd play. He used to play those kind of music, you know. So he, I learned those kind of music from this guy. Mm-hmm. He was from the north of, of the Congo. Mm-hmm. The thing is, the thing is, Congo is as is, as you know, is the second biggest country in Africa, and yeah. there's um, there's more than 200 or so tribes. Hmm. Lots of these people are, have completely different music that never really came out. You know, because rumba got so popular, mm-hmm. it com- completely eclipsed all the traditional music of Congo. And hmm. um, so lots of this music that, um, that I actually play are music that of Congo that never really, you know, came out of Congo. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so that rhythm that of the song Molopo is yeah, it's one of the rhythm from the pygmy of the of the of the forest. You know, this guy taught me. Beautiful. The well, let's hear it.
Kisha kimayo Akedana bana Tango midipo kwa Yoka kama sanga Bayeba yona nganda Yone tatavwandu Tala nakitala tala Omana nengema sangemela yobo nzenga Tala nakitala tala
that's Malapwe. Um, so that's song in Lingala, I take it, Noel. Yes, it's song in Lingala. And um, so the, the the situation, right, when, when, when you were growing up, right, and you wanted to hear something, um, so let's say, you know, as you developed your, like, do you want to talk about just how, how the guitar playing started for you? I mean, music's in your in your family, right? Yes, um, more in, but the singing though, not really guitar, mm. but singing, every, most people sing in my family. Yeah. And uh, my, my brother then got into guitar, um, you know, it's really through my brother that I, I kind of fell in love with the guitar. And and when you wanted to hear something, let's say you know you're in, you're investigating a particular line of of uh, music, um, when it comes to, you know, who had the music? Where did you go? How did you hear it? Oh wow, that was um, we didn't have any music shop or anything like that. No extra vision. So for me, I walked. I walked all around Kichasa. I became the kind of a, uh, you know, really like research. I started looking for music from anywhere. Anywhere I heard that there was somebody who had any music. What I was interested in, you know, because music from the Congo was always there. Mm -hmm. I never needed to, but music that was not from Congo, that's what I, I, I was really interested in finding out. So if I heard anybody who had re uh, relatives in in, in Europe or outside of Congo, mm. I'll, I'll just go there and knock the, knock the house, say, I'm, you know, I introduce myself. <laughs> Do you have any, any music that's not from Congo? And, and can that's I hear it? I, yeah, and, yes. and, and literally, and so what would you do? Go inside and listen to it yes. on a tape and then, and then walk home? Well, that's a, I, I would go there, if it's, you know, then I'd be, oh, if it's good, then I, I would tape it. Mm -hmm. Then I, I, bought, I bought a stereo where I'll bring the, you know, some of these people would go out, you know, with, they just completely kicked me out. But a lot of them let me in. They would play it. Because I was young, you know. It was kind of, you know. Yeah. I was maybe 14, 15, that kind of age. Mm -hmm. And I would go in and I would tape those. That's how I found lots of music. Like like what? Uh, especially a lot of jazz and classical music and a lot of music from West Africa. Mm -hmm. Also, that's also how I... Because uh, as I said, Congolese music is so popular. You don't just hear any other music. It's difficult because yeah. they love their own music there. Mm -hmm. So they Congo. don't. Yeah, and um, they don't really look for other stuff. You know. I, I'm just, I'm just thinking, Noel, when you say that about you know the immediacy of of what what happens now, where you can just you can have all the music ever made at your fingertips with one click of a button, but you don't have to uh, walk forty miles around dusty streets in Kinshasa to do it. I know it's different though. Like it's. It, like I, I, I'm affected too. I don't think I, I cherish it as the same as I did before. Cause I remember I'll take those tape and I would listen to them over and over again. Mm -hmm. But now I nearly kind of say, oh, I'm gonna listen to this later, cause it's always there. Yeah, it's always there. Uh, yeah, it's always there. I know that at some stage I'm gonna listen to it. And then, it's... then it's another. You know, I don't listen to it as the same way. Yeah, we could we could talk forever about the the change in the appreciation of it. I think. Um, just, I want to play you something else um, from more recent times, Noel. And um, so in, in 2011, Damon Albarn, whom some of you may know from, uh, from being Damon Albarn, um, he went yeah. to, <laughs> and other stuff, he went to um, Kinshasa. Now, he'd been to Mali before that, and um, he brought some producers, stayed there for nine days, and uh, recorded lots of music. The results are mixed, but I'm just going to play you one of the best ones, and um, Noel, you might have get your thoughts in a second. Thank you. 
Damon Albarn made in, in uh, the Congo is called Kinshasa 1-2. Any thoughts on that one there, Noel? Uh, well, <laughs> it's, I know these are some of my friends. I know this guy. Oh, no way. Yeah, yes. Um, so, um, you know, that, that's what's, what's the name of the group there? Um, it says, um, actually, hang on. A, uh, is, is uh, it? Oh, it says Uende oh, uh, Bongongo of Okwes International. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay, so I know, well. I know some of some of these guys. In fact, some of their, their guitarists is one of the guys. When I go home, he, he always oh, yeah. come getting some some lines. <laughs> <laughs> it would be uh, hilarious if if uh, you had been paid for that that lick there. But um, so yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> I hope you got paid. But um, well, I just made more than me anyway. Yeah, I just want to to talk a little bit about just the situation on the streets, right? So we were talking there about the distortion and all of that, but. So, Kanona number one, um, luckily a band that, that I got to see uh, myself, right? Um, an incredible uh, concept as such, as well as being in, in reality a beautiful thing. But, um, so, so they combine um, sort of homemade instruments, right? So they have uh, the, is it they call a likembe, right? An electric likembe. Um, the, the, um, yes. And also, um, I read there about their amplification equipment, um, being the microphone is carved out of wood, fitted with a magnet from an automobile alternator and a gigantic horn-shaped amplifier. But just that idea of of there being music uh, coming from the streets. Um, in reading around their their um, how they were formed and so on and so forth, I, I, I took out a line saying that they were creating out of urgency, that they were making music to stay alive. But it's kind of that vital and that important, and you get that feeling from it, right? Yes. Um Konono number one, that music um, is what we, in, back home is called Kintweni. 
That's yeah. what we call Kintweni. It's it's a it's from the west, from the west of Congo. Uh-huh. Um, but I was so happy when they came out. That was maybe 10, 15 years ago. Because, yeah. like as I say, growing up for me, I was more interested in the traditional music of Congo more than the rumba. The rumba mm-hmm. music, I just know it because I'm from Congo. It's always there. Mm-hmm. But I really researched a lot of. So I was always, I always loved this kind of music. But in Congo, you know, because again, because it's always there. Mm-hmm. People don't people don't really listen to it as much. Some of these bands, you just they just play there on the street. Nobody's even listening. They're just going past because mm-hmm. it's traditional music, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I was so happy when they got so popular, you know, because yeah. it was good for people to see something else. Because yeah. that's real, pro- properly authentic of Congo. It's much older than Rumba. That means. yeah, and so and so and then uh, you know, a very much like direct from the heart of the streets as such. Yeah, really, you know, completely. Yeah, yeah. But but, but well, the bit of, the one I'm going to play is actually um, them with uh, Mbangwana Star, who who were a couple of members from staff Benda Balili. But maybe um, you could just tell me a little bit about. Um, oh, there's no water left in there. <laughs> uh, hello. Uh, you could tell me a little bit about the um, the Staff Bendel Belili is an amazing film made by two Belgian chaps who went there in two thousand and four. And I mean, it's an incredible insight into how uh, how this how how it operates on the streets in Kinshasa. Yes, and uh, Staff again. I know some of these guys because my uncle is on is on wheelchair as well, and he he used to play in that band. Okay. Wait, but before they were popular, you know, my my uncle, you know, my my mom's brother. Yeah. He's a, he, he sing he, he sings. Um, so he used to, you know, I know those guys from. Again, I was for me, it was just so happy to see those guys, and and their music is, you know, it's just it has a different feeling because, mm. it, like like I'd say, the life. My uncle, they would they would go into the city, and they would sing all day. That's how they made money. They would sing and they'd go back around and mm-hmm. then they come back home at night. So they they really it's very very hard life that they live. Mm. And that's how that's how they they, they raise their kids. Um, yeah. So the, in their music, what really gets me is I, I really hear and feel that hardship. Yeah. Yeah. That I, that I know they went. I really feel that. And and then turning hardship into something just so positive and uh, yeah, incredibly know, yeah. infectious in every way. But look, this one was a this one in Bangwana. Am I right in saying that Mbangwana means um, change or switch? Yes, it's a change. Okay, perfect. Well, then yes. I am right. Okay, let's hear You're this right, amazing yeah. tune. This one was a massive hit and tears up the dance floor still.
That's incredible music from Mbangwana Star with Kanono number one. That's uh, Mool Ukaye. Did, did you know that one, Noel? Yes, yeah, uh, I heard this when it came out. Yeah, I yeah. thought this was going to be... An absolutely um, huge tune on the dance floor. Again, the 15-minute yeah. rule does not apply to Mbangwana Star, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Noel, I, I just want to, to talk about um, a group that in a very similar style that I just discovered very recently, as in um, this week, in fact. So, Fulu Mitsiki, uh, does that mean garbage music? Um, it's F-U-L-U, or yes. maybe it says, yes. Yeah. So, so I, again, this is, uh, I was going to say this is the radio. This isn't the radio, and I am not Ryan Tuberty. No, this is a podcast, And uh, but I would encourage you to take a break at some point and, and look up Fulu Mitsiki on um, YouTube, because... They look incredible and all of their instruments are made out of stuff on the street. So there's bits of wire, bits of wood, bits of uh, plastic. And uh, and two two of the dudes are playing percussion with a flip-flop, or flip-flops. And um, so I suppose um, I just wanted, before we hear it, Noel, um, just the idea of that that urgency of creation and of making something and and with whatever's to hand or whatever's to around and improvising um, that very much comes out of necessity economically, right? Yes, yes. Um, because, you know, not not everybody can afford... I, I, in fact, most people can't afford, you know, proper guitars, proper gear. So you end up making... I mean, everybody, even myself, including myself, growing up, you made... Everything was made up, you know? Like, I remember making a guitar. Yeah, you know, you, you get wood, you get like a, a, a tin of milk where you pick up, and then you, you put the you know you you get some uh, cable, you know, bicycle cable, and here's your guitar. Yeah, you know, in in fact, that's the guitar I learned from was always bicycle cables, you know, um, wow. and and a lot of people credit my my things because I have a lot of endurance in my fingers. Mm. I'm sure it's coming from you know from having to press all these really hard cables and. Uh, <laughs> So that's that's how you that's how you did it. You you mm -hmm. had to make like I remember drums. Drummers would make their own drums. Mm -hmm. You know that's most of my friends that we grew up who were playing drums, they would make up their own drums. But, you know, just using just metal around and mm -hmm. and then they, I, they'd build the whole full drum kit. Um, I, the the and yeah, if 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 you check out this uh, Fulu Mitsiki on on YouTube. I mean, they, they all wear masks and they, they're, yeah, they're, they're equipment. I, I, I hesitate to use the word equipment, but it's just phenomenal. Right? <laughs> just, just before I play it, Noel, right, when reading about the Congo, okay, um, like, so, you know, it's been actually, I, I don't know if you can hear um, speaking about people playing drums, but my neighbor, Brian, is downstairs playing the drums right now. And uh, he's not from Kinshasa. But so the thing is, um, when it comes to the Congo, right, and the situation there, I mean, Natural resources, an incredible amount of natural resources, um, political instability going all the way back to, um, you know, colonial, the, the, um, yes. the, the Belgium occupation, uh, commercial and colonial extraction. Um, if you go back to 19, 1899, Joseph Conrad wrote The Heart of Darkness. Um, and, and really not a lot has changed in the sense that, OK, it was rubber, copper, gold, diamonds, and now it's cobalt mining with, uh, for the lithium ion. So... Is it is it fair to say that nothing has changed in 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 general terms? Nothing has changed, and uh, it, it got worse. In, in in some ways, Congo really got worse. I mean, it even got worse to, you know, from just like 25 years ago, 
you know, like when this war started, so in 90, what was it, 20, yeah, 1997 and um, to now, it's even got even worse. Nothing has changed, Donald. It's really, really sad. In You know, when I go back there, it's like, I don't, I don't love Kinshasa. You know, yeah. as sad as, you know, I'm from there, I grew up there, but I don't like it because it's so, it's just such a, you can see it in people's face. There's yeah. a lot of the soldiers who were, a lot of the child soldiers who, you know, they grew up in the forest as soldiers, they all came into Kinshasa. So Kinshasa is expopulated, but is, there's a lot of, you know, a um, lot of criminals, and it's really a very, very, it's sad for me to say mm-hmm. this, but so, I, so, I, so I is it is it, is it, uh, is it fair to say that, like, it's a dangerous place in many ways? It is a dangerous place. It's not. It's not a place where you can just go. Like mm-hmm. even myself, you, you can't just say, oh, "I'm going on holidays to to, to to Kinshasa," and then, you know, or any any part of Congo. You, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you can't just say that. You you have to you have to go. If you see anybody um, who's not from Congo is doing some business there or is working for, you know, for some charity work, and it's very much, you know, they 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 have their spot where they go. You don't go into the population because. Mm-hmm. Even myself, because I've been living here, you know, people will just know that I'm not, I don't live there anymore mm-hmm. from the way I would look. Mm-hmm. And uh, they would, somebody would want to take something from you because, you mm-hmm. know, anybody who doesn't live in Congo, mm-hmm. you know, has, has more. So somebody would, you know, you can just get killed and, yeah. and it's nothing has changed, Donald. It's really, really sad. I'm really sad to hear that because I think the last time I checked in with you was, was maybe five or six years ago about that situation. Um, um, the um, like it's a city of eleven million people, right? So how many of those people would have access to water and electricity? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to give a figure. <clears throat> uh, well, most people not. Most people don't have access to electricity. Mm-hmm. Most people don't have access to electricity. That's for sure. And mm-hmm. uh, and even the people who have electricity. It kind of kind of comes, you know, for an hour, you might have electricity, then it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always, so you have to buy some sort of, you know, some, uh, how do you call this, generator, you know? Oh, yeah. That's, that's what, you know, people who have a little bit of money, that's what they, that's what you have to buy. Mm-hmm. Even, even, because mind you, I was once in, I was once in a house of, uh, when I was there, a house of, um, of the, the a minister. And even in his house, who was like the minister, the, the electricity still went, you know, was off. Wow. So it's, it's, and that really got bad, as I'm saying, from 1998, because the rebel came mm-hmm. from, uh, from Angola. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the main kind of, um, how do you call it, the dam that, that provides uh, the electricity in the whole Congo is near Angola in a place called Inga. Mm-hmm. And they kind of went there and they, they shot everything. So from they destroyed most things from from that time from 1998, it's been like that. The the electricity is never stable, never stable. And uh, you know water, you know you 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 better off go get water in the river if you live you know in a clean kind of space, mm-hmm. in more kind of remote spots. But uh, it's really sad. And speaking of the river, right, the Congo River uh, cuts through Kinshasa. Um, and is is it divided sort of along the lines of the river or, or the river is, is obviously, I mean, I've looked at pictures. Uh, I, I would one day hope to see it. 
but it is kind of significantly part of, of the city's infrastructure. No, no, unfortunately not. Okay, not because because the river in in, in the the river in Kinshasa, and in the Congo River is very deep. You know, you don't just go there. You know, it's it's straight away very deep, um, mm -hmm. so it's kind of steep, and most people most people don't swim. Okay. Yeah. So you don't just go to the river, but people who live more, as I say, in more remote places, they have access to to into much cleaner water just going to the river. But in Kinshasa, you don't actually connect with the river because the river is over there. And this is the thing, on the border of uh, where you know all along the coast, you know the the the, the river, there's rich people's house. So same as it ever know, was. <laughs> yes, um, you know people don't connect with the water that that much. Um, now let's get back to the street. So let's hear the garbage music of Fulu Mitsiki. Great. Yeah, the amazing music, uh, Kinshasa's music warriors, Fulu, Mitsiki. Um, such a, so there's seven or eight of those people, right, Noel, all playing those homemade instruments and the incredible timing. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's uh, it defies logic, really, people. Uh, I mean, in terms of, in, in drumming terms, the fact that it all fits together so beautifully. Yeah. Well, this is, the timing is very important. You know, that's, if, that's all of Africa, really, when it comes to drumming, Mm -hmm. You have to be on time. If mm -hmm. you if you're not on time, the drummer will hit you with a stick. <laughs> so yeah. And, and, and Noel, just in, in your own musical journey, right? I, I've seen you play the drums. I've seen you play lots of things. But um, so you you would have to really kind of have fundamental knowledge of of the the percussion area in order to to play in a band and to be part of something. Yes. Yeah. Everybody everybody's a percussionist. Mm -hmm. Everybody, you know, whether you're a guitarist or a singer. Mm -hmm. if, if you're doing everything in a percussive way, mm -hmm. that's really what makes African music what it is. Mm -hmm. It's that percussive, you know, because as I said, guitars and stuff come later. Like myself, as growing up, we used to, in the church, 
the church I used to go to, everybody had a shaker. In every seat, there was a shaker mm -hmm. and a bell. Okay. A shaker and a bell in every seat. And the drums in front, there was a big, two, two big drums in front. There was never, there was no dedicated drummer. Mm -hmm. Anybody would just go and play and, you know, during the song. But then as children, we'd always have a, we'd go in the front with, and play the stick on the side of the drums. Mm -hmm. So you grew up with always hitting things like that. So I think that's what makes, you know, yeah. makes the music so percussive. I just, every time I talk to you about this stuff, I feel like I was born to the wrong parents. <laughs> <laughs> and Noel, can you, before we finish, right, I just want to, to, to can you tell me about the, the story, um, your grandfather and, and his church and, and what happened there? That's a, this, the, in, in the church where my grandfather basically was, this this was the church I was just talking about. So mm -hmm. it was um, there was always songs, and there was everybody would have a shaker and a bell, and um, yeah, you, you know, in the when the drummer, when the song, anybody would just go and start playing, mm -hmm. and we, we we would go, you know, we would go as children play on the side of the the drums, and that's really how we grew up, you know. But weren't you kind of recruited by another church, or is that something you can't talk about? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well. When I got into guitars then, you know, so as I said, my grandfather's, it was traditional. So it was all just percussion. There was no keyboards. There was no guitars, just singing and drums. Beautiful. I, I actually, lately I found some of the footage of the, of the church is, you know, it made me cry because it's like the singing and the, the, the percussion is amazing. But then I got into guitars, people started uh, asking me to join their band. So I, I joined a different band because, uh, they had electric guitars, you know. I wanted to be, I wanted to be Hendrix. Yeah, it, it was nothing to do with the secular god. It was another one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, so my no, grandfather just went mad. To these days, you know, when I talk about this, it kind of makes you know, I, I feel, you know, something. I just feel bad because I remember him yeah. getting mad at me. His betrayal. Because I, yeah, because I betrayed the church. I was going to, you know, this uh, evangelical church and. Mm. And um, yeah, because he was he was a big person in your life, right? Your grandparents. Oh yeah, he's 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 my god. Mm -hmm. yeah. my, my grandfather, he, he, you know, is my god. I mean, I I don't drink coffee because he he um he used to make coffee. That mm -hmm. was his thing. Mm -hmm. So I grew up most of the time. We we didn't you know most of the time there was no food. We didn't have food. There was no, but we always had coffee. We always had coffee and. Uh, and uh, his coffee is just the best, you know, I, I, I can't, after him, you know, I was like, I, I can't drink any other coffee unless yeah. it's him who, who made it. That's beautiful. I, I, I've, I've been in positions of, of uh, happily sipping coffee while you told me that story and admiring your resolve, um, Noel. Um, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I just want to say... Uh, that I think we have to get back to this subject uh, before too long. Um, so that more or less completes episode 20 of Make Me an Island. If you have a question about the show, donal at makemeaniland.ie. And if you want to support the project, you'll find us on Patreon. And uh, by all means, keep listening for free. We're delighted to have you. Um, I'm going to close with something again of your own music, uh, Noel. And Cora Venus Lunny is on this one, Words of Wisdom. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about it. Yes, um, well, the song, I, w I just wanted to do something that um, was a little bit more deep. I just, you know, feel in our time, there was, there was, we have so much opinion now. Everybody can say something, you know, with the social media. I wanted to do some, as, as always, I wanted to do something more positive. But uh, 
all these samples that are on that on that song are samples that are is inspired me. Mm-hmm. Every time I, I heard those people talk, it did inspire me to to do something. And um, so I just wanted to share those samples with people, you know, because these are words that when I heard those speeches, from, you know, from um, all these all these uh, liminaries, I just, you know, I, I got up and did something. Mm-hmm. So that's really where this song came from. It pushed you into action. Um, yes. Noel, I just actually, one, one thing I'd written on my notes is staff bendabilili uh, means the people who see beyond. But I'm really delighted to talk to one of those people today. So thank you so much. And uh, it's a good place to go out with some words of wisdom. Thanks, Noel. Thanks very much, Donald. I appreciate it. Thank you.